media at SAFM with Ashraf Garda. Exploring every media platform and industry. Only on 104 to 107. It's Sunday morning. We talk marketing. We talk branding. We talk communications. We talk reputation management. Uh, we talk advertising. We talk PR. All that is interlocked, uh, interrelated. There's no question about it. Anything that moves, anything that communicates, that's what we cover here for the next two hours. My name is Ashraf Ganta. Welcome indeed. Welcome to the show. And those tweeting already, that's great. You're doing that. You know the story. Hashtag media show. Uh, tweet. Love it when you quote tweet the guests. I see amongst the people, the Lurie's team already tweeting because we're going to talk to them later on. Jeremy Sampson having an early start last night, tweeting about uh, football's most valuable brand. I wonder who's number one. You can check it out. Um, and uh, we've had uh, Chris Goss replying to the guys from the Luris, so they're doing that or he's doing that anyway. Uh, Daniel Munslow making a point of tweeting about what he's talking about right now which, uh, and, and I see we'll, we'll talk about um, Webfluential in terms of their report on the, the rise and rise of influencer marketing. I promise you, uh, if you know that the world of advertising and marketing is changing, you better pay attention to that. That comes up later. Great uh, advert we'll talk about later on. But I did say Dendal Munslow is um, first up on his tweeting. He's in the studio. And we're talking about the PR or public relations industry. And, uh, well, we're asking, should it be reg- regulated? But clearly to an extent it is already. The question is, I would think, further regulation. Where does it need to be tightened up? And there's a specific context for that. Your opinion matters, OH9. So give me your own thoughts on how regulated should the PR industry be, more than it is right now or less than it is right now. Keep in mind, you need some creativity, don't you? Uh, so hashtag media show when you are tweeting, and if you're SMSing, it's 40938. So Daniel Manslow is the director of the MCC Consulting. He's an independent communications consultant, very important. He's also the vice president of the, the umbrella body for public relations, and that's called uh, PRISA. Daniel, appreciate your time. Hi. Hi, good, good to be back on the show. All right, give, give us context here. Why, why are we talking about whatever it is about issues of regulation? Well, I think if we think about recent events that have taken place, we think obviously Bell Pottinger is uh, the number one in the news in terms of public relations yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, the recent events that have unfolded. That's really been a milestone in terms of communication management, and it's led a lot of people to raise the questions in terms of ethical behavior, ethical conduct. How ethical do PR agencies conduct themselves in PR professionals? And is there a need to further regulate the industry in terms of moving away from solely self-regulation to saying that we need to have PRISA as an umbrella body mm. that is regulated and legislated and has the power, I suppose, to investigate breaches of ethical codes and breaches of conduct and apply remedial action where necessary. That doesn't mean that people aren't ethical. I think probably 98% of people mm-hmm. that do work are, but the 2% that aren't or perceived to not be or get the exposure that Bell Pottinger isn't getting in the last, what, nearly a year or so, mm-hmm. that sheds a, a shadow of doubt over the entire industry. And, and, and give really us your thoughts about what what Bell Pottinger, the London-based organization, has done. What, what, what's your sense of, uh, in pure business terms, and the ethics of what they've done or have not done? Well, it's probably a good way to answer that within the context of looking at some of the very important clauses in terms of the PRISA Code of Ethics. Uh, We all know about Bell Pottinger. It's been in the news um, everywhere in the last couple of weeks, especially since they uh, issued their apology. 
But if we look at the code of ethics for our profession and we then apply that back to what we know at the moment of what has been happening uh, with the Bell Pottinger saga, mm. we, start, we sort of start to apply our logic to saying, was this or wasn't this ethical? So bear with mm. me, just a few very important okay. points. So in Priest's Code of Ethics, they talk about we have a positive duty as a profession to maintain integri- integrity and accuracy. We shall not knowingly, intentionally, or recklessly communicate false or misleading information. It is our obligation to use proper care to avoid doing so even inadvertently. We also shall not guarantee the achievement of specific results beyond our direct control. And when working for a client or employer who belongs to the profession, respect the code of ethics of the other body as well. So if we look at all of those elements, and I think especially the one where we talk about not intentionally misleading information within the business context of what we know to be true at the moment Mm -hmm. within the Bell Pottinger scenario, I think that is probably sits at the heart uh, of where people are saying, was this or was this not ethical? And given what we know to be true, if it wasn't ethical, why are we not in a position to better regulate what is happening? Okay, so, so given what you know to be true, is what they've done ethical? Given what we know at the moment, there certainly appears to be cause to look into these um, codes and find out if what they've done, if what they actually did behind the scenes was. So what we, from what we know to be true, it would appear that they have. That, that, that they have been ethical or, or not unethical. Ethical. Just making that uh, that's very, very clear. Important. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what they've done. So so here's here's the here's the, the Yorker in, in cricket terms, right? Because uh, we talk about what happens next. Uh, they've what they've done is is happen in terms of their office. The physical geographical unit is in is in the UK or in London. The impact of what they've done in, in terms of the client is is in the South African geographical space. Does does Prisa have the power? to be able to sanction them, even though they're not linked to PRISA, I would think, directly at all. At the moment, no. And that is what is raising these questions about the need for regulation and legislation of the profession. So if we we rewind back about four years, PRISA began a consultation process with government and various other stakeholders with a view to put together a, a green paper around regulations in the industry. Uh, that green paper was formulated, um, has gained traction. There are a number of conversations that have taken place over the last uh, two or three years around that. And it's now at a point where that is going to be picked up again in light of these current affairs scenarios that are prompting the need to look into that to empower an industry body with the teeth that it needs in order to conduct investigations into misconduct. And, 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 misconduct. and as it stands, so let's work on the basis that what they're doing is unethical or what they've done is unethical. That, that at this point in time, PRISA, the South African Public Relations Umbrella Body, can't act on that because they're not, they're not a member of PRISA. Is, is that the primary reason, or is it because they are based abroad? It's actually both of those at the moment, which is why it is the UK bodies that are investigating this particular case. Mm, mm. But again, what it does is it raises the question for us in South Africa to say, should we not be in a position where we can weigh in on that regulation? Should we not be part of that investigation that is taking place by the UK body, you know, for Prisa to have a seat on that because of the implication that it has? There's so many questions that are taking place at the moment. And you were talking purely from a business perspective just now. So let's bring in within the context of regulation the new King Report, King Report Mm, 4. mm, mm. I mean, there is such a phenomenal focus in King Report on Section 1, or 5.1, that deals with 
um, ethics and leadership. Section 5 that deals with stakeholder relationships. There is such a huge emphasis on the way in which we need to conduct ourselves when we engage with various stakeholders. The role that leadership of a business plays to be accountable for the quality of stakeholder relations and, of course, the ethics with which business con- businesses conduct themselves. So you bring the fact that we're looking at it within a King 4 context purely from a business perspective. We look at it from a national discourse and narrative perspective in terms of the impact that what they've done has had on the country. You pull this all together and that raises very significant questions. Of, is, is it not time to accelerate the development of the white paper in order to get to a point where we're in a position to enforce greater regulation? Okay. And that white paper would be all companies in general, but, but then you have a very specific P, a PR or, or, yeah, in this case, public relations interest because that's where you sit. Right? Absolutely. Okay. By the way, if you wish to contribute 0891104207, just think about this in the light of what you've heard about the, the doings of uh, the, 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 the PR reputation management company, uh, ironically, Bell Pottinger, uh, UK-based. Uh, what, what do you think? Is there a need for, for greater regulation of the PR industry? We're talking South Africa specifically. Is there a need for that? If that's the case, how much more needs to be regulated? Or, or are we fussing too much? Is self-regulation in terms of the PR practitioner not Good enough, meaning if they make a mess, won't they be out of business? For example, would you actually go to Bell Pottinger right now and say, um, I need you to do some work? Meaning, have, have they not themselves scored an own goal? Is that not sufficient to say, well, you know what, if you self-regulate and you make a mess up, you know you, well, I'm not going to say you're out of business, but you're going to struggle to get more credible business from, from credible business people in South Africa and around the world. The, the second point coming out of that is, is this point. If someone lives abroad and they come to South Africa and they commit a crime, they will be tried in this country. So I would think, as it happened here, Right? Okay. But what happens if in the PR industry where there are no boundaries, but the, 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 um, the crime was envisioned abroad, but the impact is committed in this country, and this is what we're talking about here in terms of public relations and communications, how is it that this country, we can talk about it, we can moan, and, and, but the impact on us is felt greatly but we can do actually nothing about it. There's some irony in that, don't you think? So, so Daniel Munslow is the director of the MCC Consulting. Uh, he's also the vice president of the public relations industry umbrella body called uh, Prisa. If you are tweeting, it's hashtag media show. If you're calling in, it is 0891104207. And when you do tweet, tweet to me personally, Ashraf Garanta, as well as to SFM Radio. Uh, quote tweets are always welcome. Your own opinion even more so. So you can actually do both. So, D- Daniel, so... I mean, you clearly for regulation. Are you saying more regulation than it's than, than what we have right now, in in the PR industry specifically? I think with the situation that we find ourselves in at the moment, I think there is a need to go one step beyond self-regulation. But I think we also need to be cautious that we don't create an environment that stifles what you said mm. in your introduction when we mm. spoke about creativity. So when you consider regulation, there are a lot of professional bodies that are regulated or professional industries that are regulated. So we're talking here specifically in the context of ethics, and it is what has happened with Bell Pottinger that has brought this to the forefront. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot more to regulation than simply ethics. We talk about the fact that if the profession was formally regulated, there would be a certain fundamental basic standard of the number of professional development hours that you have to do every year, the continuing professional development or CPD. Mm-hmm. So what it, among other things, so what it does is it creates a, a level of confidence, I suppose, between practitioner um, and the, the, the agency and the, the corporate client that is being serviced to say we have greater confidence that the industry meets 
certain standard, standards across the board. But it also says that if uh, there is a breach of conduct, somebody can actually do something about it. I mean, PRISA as a body, as I say, it has a code of ethics. It has an ethics committee that meets when certain things are reported. But there's still no authority to, to implement remedial action. So, so Bell Pottinger was South Africa-based. Can PRISA do nothing about them? Besides talk about it on air like you're doing right now. Effectively, which is why that is that one step further that we need to go to Mm. in terms of identifying what those um, opportunities are, but also doing it in a very constructive way because what you also can't do is stifle uh, economic growth. You can't stifle professional growth. It's not possible to turn around and say, well, just because you're not a member of PRISA doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to practice your craft. But what it means is you're welcome to. But if you work for a corporate, the corporate needs to understand that if you're not a member of PRISA and a, reg- and a regulated body like so many industries are, that there will be no recourse if something does go wrong. Mm, There's a big difference. Very interesting. But, but it, it gets me thinking about, about PRISA. How many PR practitioners, you know, in, individual, well, in this case, businesses, right, uh, b- belong to PRISA in South Africa as, as a percentage? Well, as a percentage, it's very difficult to tell because, you know, PRISA has a very robust member base and has for many years. You know, PRISA just celebrated its 60th year. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the overall profession, what I would say is if we, if we break it down uh, in terms of agency, um, corporate, and then the professionals, mm-hmm. in other words, the practitioners mm-hmm. – the majority of the large agencies, if not all of them, are either member bodies or have representation within PRISA. Remember, PRISA also has the public relations consultancy chapter as one of the bodies within mm. uh, the mm. institute. So it also, it also has a body within there where the consultants are able to actually get together from that perspective. So we have multiple opportunities. We have all of them. However... If we look at it from a professional perspective and if we look at it from individuals who practice, we don't really know what that overall number is. Um, I think research a couple of years ago um, that PRISA commissioned illustrated that that number could be in excess of 6,000, in which case, no, not all of them are members of PRISA. But then when you come to regulation, the first thing somebody's going to say is, well, if I work in my own personal capacity and I can't afford a membership, for example, mm, does yeah. that mean I can't practice in the profession? And we've got to say up front that is not the case at all. Even in the green paper that was issued a number of years ago, that was included as a very specific clause to say that as much as we want to regulate and we want to ensure that there is self-regulation and regulation further around certain elements, it, can be, it has to be inclusive and it, it cannot be exclusive of anybody even if they are not able to be members. But organizations need to understand that if they commission somebody to do work that isn't a member and they breach a particular code of ethics or uh, didn't have minimum standards to deliver, mm-hmm. there will be no recourse if they aren't members. But, Big but, difference. But the question is, I mean, does, can, can I, and I mean, I'm in, I'm in a space of influence clearly as a, as a talk show, doing a, doing a range of things, but at, at that time somebody would say, you know, can, can you give me some advice in terms of who should I approach regarding uh, publicity or PR and, and what have you? I mean, does anything stop me from opening up a formal PR business? No, of course not. And I don't need your, I don't need the vice president of PRISA to rubber stamp it. No, right? absolutely yeah. not. So, so is that right or wrong? 
Look, this is not about individuals playing on individuals. This becomes an industry-wide conversation. So it would never be an individual that will turn around and say, you can or can't do something. What it is, is a body that is empowered to regulate an industry with an ethics committee or a code of conduct committee Mm. that is able to enforce the rules of the profession, is able to look at the minimum standards, is is able to look at the education and say, Based on the report that you came to or based on the request that you had, was this or was this not the right way to conduct yourself in terms of an element? Now, when I talk about elements, I talk about um, elements that are contained within the code of conduct around integrity, around trust, around accuracy, around performance, around delivery, around the professional activities, around the dignity with which people uh, conduct business. Now, if anybody ever felt that there was a breach in any of those, there would be recourse. And if you look at the other professionalized regulated bodies, mm, uh, thinking mm, about mm, what mm. the medical profession, the accounting profession, yeah, yeah. It, this is not this is not without precedent. This is not something that we're talking about that's never been done before. Uh, certainly been done in other organizations and other countries and other professions. All it is is a question of saying, is it now the right time to reopen the conversation to say that this is what we should be doing from a public relations perspective to professionalize the industry to a greater extent? Now, they're, they're obviously... Uh, regulated uh, bodies, PR bodies overseas. And I mean, Mm. Chris is also a member of the Global Alliance, which is an extremely strategic partnership Mm. globally. Um, We look at APRA, the African Public Relations Association, which is gaining traction throughout Africa and is putting a huge amount of emphasis in terms of ethical conduct of emerging public relations and communication management professionals and practitioners throughout Africa. So again, if you take it within a global context, within an Africa context and then with a South Africa context, do we not want to make sure that everybody adheres to those basic standards that actually build the profession to where it's trying to go to, especially at a time where the Public Relations Institute is wanting to move away from being seen as a PR body and more towards being seen as what they genuinely are, which is a reputation management body. Public relations is not just the traditional definition of I'm engaging with my publics, I'm having relationships with Mm, my publics, mm, mm. but it's about building reputation management. It's about... And publicity is one aspect. And publicity is one aspect. I mean, in in January, we spoke on the show about the conduct around fraud and crisis communication. Mm. Crisis communication is an element of overall reputation management. It's not just sending out a press release and we manage a crisis or we manage a reputation. Mm, 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 We're talking about much broader levels of stakeholder engagement. Because because this is interesting, although we had a chat on Friday uh, on on what is called the People's Voice feature on Afternoon Talk where Zara, uh, well-documented, refused to go on the air uh, talking about I don't know if you follow that issue about the, the young woman uh, and, and her daughter who was not allowed into the Zara store because she had her in her uh, in her to call it supermarket trolley. Uh, Zara doesn't allow that, but this young child who's seven years old uh, needs special care. She needs she needs oxygen uh, connected to her. And there's a case of if you've got a special car, that's fine, cash cart, but not this type of trolley. And she was refused. Zara apologized, but didn't come on the air. Now, the point I'm making in, in broad terms, in terms of PR, PR, and I think Janine Hills from Ruma made the point in the past. Sometimes good PR representation is when they advise you not to talk. I'm not saying in this case it's right, but it's not always about counting how many times you've been on the air. It's sometimes advising you not to go on the air, which is also part of PR or reputation management, isn't it? 
It absolutely is. And I think that there's a time and a place for that very good advice because you can also damage your reputation uh, by saying certain things. But there's still got to be an element of truth and transparency and integrity. And if an organization did not do the right thing, they will build much greater credibility for the reputation if they actually came out and publicly acknowledged and apologized for what happened. And I think globally, if we look at the way in which uh, companies conduct themselves with integrity in crisis situations, the two big situations that took place a few months ago were the two big big American airlines, United Mm, and then American. mm, We still talk about United. We're still seeing the memes about United from when they dragged the, that, uh, the, the physician off yes, the aircraft. Yes, yeah. mm, First, yes. he defended the staff. Then he apologized. Then he said the staff was still okay. Then he said, no, the staff shouldn't have conducted themselves. Complete confusion. It was almost a knee-jerk reaction without really considering the, respon- the, the responses. But in terms of the three rules of crisis communication, they didn't acknowledge – well, they acknowledged what happened, but they didn't set the record straight. They didn't apologize or say what they were going to do to prevent it from happening again up front. American Airlines, a mere two weeks later, had a situation where a, uh, one of the cabin crew members um, hit a mother that was holding a baby. American Airlines, within minutes, not hours, within minutes, mm. said the pilot asked that, uh, that cabin crew member to, to disembark. He was not allowed to continue with that flight. They said this is not an acceptable representation of our ethics and values, and we've upgraded the lady and her baby to first class for the remainder of her journey. I don't think that story lasted two days. But then you Because they were so quick to they respond. They were quick. They acknowledged, and it was the CEO who acknowledged. I apologize, and this is not an acceptable representation of my company's values. This is not how we do business. This is what we've done about it. This is what we're doing to prevent it from happening again. And this is what we've done for the lady that was aggrieved. Whereas with United, they spent the first 72 hours debating whether it was the right or wrong thing to say with conflicting messages. So it all boils down to a particular uh, scenario, a particular situation. And it's always, uh, look, we always have um, sort of insight in the light of hindsight at the end of the day. But when we look at these experiences, it's very important to say, did they conduct themselves ethically? Did they conduct themselves with integrity? Did they um, hold a guarantee to deliver? Did they intentionally or recklessly mislead the public. And remember, if we go back to what we spoke about a little bit earlier with the fundamental codes of ethics, we talk about are you being ethical in your conduct? Have you delivered the best advice that you can to your client? Has the company delivered the best, most accurate amount of information it can at Mm -hmm. the time within legal confines to deliver its result to the public? So all in all, it's ethics and conduct that have to come together. And even if the answer to regulation is no, it's time to have the conversation. There's some, there's some tweets I'll pick up on. Can't take it. If you want to call in now, that's great. Uh, but, but Sam Tsak was saying, this Bell Pottinger Gupta thing is much ado about nothing. People should worry about what Bell Pottinger did for the U.S. Department of Defense in Iraq. I, I, I wish you could say more because you're implying they've done a lot more, which makes it even more worrisome, if, if I can pick up what you're trying to say directly. But, but in terms of, there's, there's a quick call I can take, 0891 Uh Sig, go for it, hi. Short and sharp, Sig, go ahead, yes, hi. Uh, uh, there are all sorts of false fronts, and they sort of uh, are in between and inside the PR uh, limits. There is the black uh, first, land first, Mikitama front, 
uh, who actually has been known to be uh, working for the Guptas. Okay, but, but, but Sikhi, Sik, Sik, I often interrupt you, not because I don't like you. I think we, we have great fun on air, but you, you're drifting from the actual narrow confines of the topic, which right. is that in, t- in this case here, is there a need for the PR industry to be, to be more regulated than it really is in the light of what's happened to Pudal Yes. Can you yes. comment on that? Yes, I do believe there is one major uh, prominent PR person who is called Chris Vick, who was masquerading for the ANC as a real PR guy, and he didn't uh, acknowledge that he was really their front. And, 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 and I really want to challenge him because he's got so much authority in this country. Okay, got Thanks that. very much. Thank you that, thanks for that, uh, Sig. Clint Griffin, by the way, commenting, so also hard to define PR in terms of regulation. Where do opinions fit? Mm. And then saying, in fact, as per the influencer discussion I'll be having with uh, Kirsty Shaman later on with, from Web Influential, that comes up in about 12, 13 minutes' time. That, that's interesting. G- give me your thoughts on that, where, you know, PR versus opinion. There's, a, there's probably a very fine line, um, I think, in terms of where you're actually having uh, proactive communication that comes out in terms of it being a thought leader on a particular topic mm. and public relations where you're either posi- uh, positioning a company's um, positioning mm. or where you're promoting a product or launching something. But I think, you know, opinions at the end of the day are very important and everybody needs those critical insights and opinions. Again, I think it goes back to ethics. Are we giving opinions within the right space? Are we offering balanced opinions? Are we offering perspectives from both sides? We all understand there are three sides to everything, mine, yours, and the truth. Mm, mm, So mm. an opinion is very important, and you must have strong opinions. I mean, society and public narratives are based on having that type of conversation. But as long as you're able to do it in a respectful way with integrity that balances all sides of the story, I think that's where we have opinions. And and while we talk about, and, and, and as we wrap up, I mean, here's the last thought. Uh, that is, you need to consider in the light of uh, you know the importance of what gets communicated, and that is the well-documented now over the last few days. Uh, former President Thabo Mbeki's comments that in fact he was dislodged as the president of the ANC, well, in, in this case, the country, uh, on the basis of what he called lies. Uh, and, and I understand, according to the best of my knowledge, uh, there was no rebuttal from people uh, like uh, Julius Malema now of the EFF saying a lot of lies were peddled and therefore he was out. Whether he's right or wrong is not the point. The emphasis is on the word lie, which once again tells you about the importance of being accurate. Uh, just any final thought from your side, Daniel? I think, Ashraf, within the context of this discussion, as we, as we said just a few minutes ago, this is not a conversation that has come up uh, at this particular point in time that says we have to regulate. I think the value is in having the conversation. I think it's just time that we need to say, is self-regulation enough? And maybe the answer is yes. And maybe it is much to do about nothing. But at least we've had the conversation and we can walk away and we can say our strategy is that we do not need regulation and that people can self-regulate themselves. And that's also okay. We don't have to walk out with a solution that says we have to have formalized regulation. But the bottom line is we need to be able to walk out and say, are we comfortable that we as an industry and that our clients believe that we conduct ourselves with the utmost ethics? Absolutely, because I think information is important. Otherwise, you'll find a Christopher Columbus who lands in a country and says, I'm a, I've arrived in India, and you get things completely wrong. I mean, that's the, the reality. <laughs> Daniel, great chatting to you as Thanks always. So much. You're going to tweet us. I know that. Absolutely. Tweet further comments that you've mentioned and a whole lot more. Love to pick up on this. As a, as a final point there, uh, Ashraf, is, that, is there not a PR firm in Johannesburg 
that represents um, Pottinger, the Pottinger firm in London, who facilitated meetings which must have taken place in putting together this public relations package which causes crisis from Jocelyn. You know much about that? Is there, is there a local, if not local, branch of uh, Bell Pottinger? Is there a, an agency that they've contracted in South Africa? I've, I've heard something about that in the last week or so, but I haven't seen a huge amount of information okay. circulating about that. Maybe we should pick that up on yeah, Well, if anybody knows who that local agency is, we actually want to talk to them. Absolutely. Well, they apologize as well. Thanks for that, Jocelyn. I think it's a very important point. Okay, we're going to talk luries and creativity and, and what makes good advertising or great advertising right after this.